Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to first. Dave the Alcadron Vader, how's your Burger King crown? <laughs> I've upgraded to a slightly more sturdy plastic one that I use for the Monarch. <laughs> I, uh... Awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's high quality. Good deal, good deal. Well, how was your week? My week was really good. I, I've been reflecting on the uh, Triarch Praetorian game that we played a while ago. Yes. And how much fun... Very strong. How much fun I've had with the Triarch Praetorian, and aside from him, how much fun I've had with the Karian Infiltrator. And I've decided that, like, mm-hmm. how much fun I've had with the Warhammer Precons as a unit. I decided I mm-hmm. needed Warhammer PDH Precons. And so I've I've found so I have I've blue and black covered. I have found uncommon creatures in white, red, and green that I'm really excited to build decks for, so that I can have one of each color, and I can just pass them out and force people to play Warhammer games with me in PDH. And uh, I got the deck lists all set. I am like all of them seem really interesting. Like they're not all great, but they're all interesting sure. and like fun to play and have like cool mm-hmm. gimmicks that are like keeping them distinct and from the rest of my deck. So like I'm I've been riding that high like all week long. I'm like constantly like That's amazing. Pouring... It's kind of the first I've heard of it too. So that's that sounds really I, fun. I'm having a great time with it. Just like pouring over Moxfields like what can I tweak? What can I edit? Like what cards am I missing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always a good time riding the uh the new deck high. Mhm. Mm-hmm. It's like new deck high times 3. Right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, up next we have our resident PDH PhD Liam, who's been on a uh, sort of a technological archaeology dig here with um, with with your devices. How's that going? Yeah, I I don't get it, Brad. Um, <laughs> seriously, I'm I'm the one that my family calls when the technology stops working. Mm-hmm. I I teach a technology class. Uh, not sorry, I don't teach a technology. I teach six technology classes. <laughs> why i can't get this dang microphone to work i have absolutely no idea so uh i dug out a a, a very old uh gaming laptop well in in 2008 it would have been considered a gaming laptop in 2023 right. it's just considered a laptop um yeah it's just a laptop and and i've discovered that the battery may need replaced but hopefully that laptop will maybe solve some of the issues that we're having with this this mic. If not, uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like you are uh, you are the man for the case. Yeah, I, I I really don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, I feel like we've uh, exhausted most of our avenues, so yeah. it's it's about to be back in Blue's hands here shortly. Yep. All right. Well, good deal. Good deal. Um, How are you doing? Before Brad? we get onto the oh. Yes, I forgot. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm also sort of riding the uh, the new deck high, but it's not times three. It's not with cool uh, 40K or anything like that. I, After our stream on Monday, where we were the whole pod was there uh, with Lobert, I played OG, and it did pretty well. I'm sort of like addicted to that deck, and I kind of secretly have been for a long time. I just didn't know what to do with it, and then I played it a couple times, and it was terrible, and then I like 
practice the deck. I rarely ever, even when I was a competitive player, I never practiced decks. Uh, but I practiced this one, and it obviously turned out in my favor. And I've just been like, I have this whole like two paragraphs written on on my phone on the on the note app of what cards to change and why, what cards are coming out, what cards are going in. And I've literally never done that with decks before. So I don't know what's got me possessed to work on this OG deck of all decks, but uh, that's kind of where yeah. I've been on my, my deck journey in the last few days. You got the bug. There's no escaping now. I know. It is a bug, too. It's definitely definitely bit me. But other than that, it's been pretty good. Pretty good. Just work, family, all that kind of stuff. So I think we can move on to a little bit of housekeeping before we get to the main topic. And uh, if you like the show and you like what we're doing here and you want to hear about why Slowpoke is Dave's avatar literally everywhere, <laughs> why don't you uh, consider becoming a, becoming a patron for literally like... 25 cents an episode it starts about a buck a month you get access to the pdh pod discord where you can chat up your decks chat with the crew chat with other patron family members that sort of thing you also get a weekly pre-show usually weekly we try to get get one out there every week and it's sort of like another almost like another full bonus podcast every week where we just sort of catch up talk about whatever comes up uh, fiddle with our settings do all this kind of stuff so you get that as well and then you get early access to the episode, if that's your thing, too. That usually comes out the night before, some 12, 15 hours before it hits the mainstream airwaves, if you will. So if you like that, you get access to that as well. And then check out the YouTube channel. Uh, I've got some things, some some pokers in the fire, as people say. I think people say that. I'm not totally sure. I heard irons. Um, irons in the fire that's it so i've got some irons in the fire for some ideas for the youtube channel so keep an eye out eye out for that coming up shortly and then uh as far as content goes just check out the saturday and monday streams on twitch over at uh twitch.tv slash the pdh pod and i forgot to give the patron address that's just patron.com slash the pdh pod so uh, i will throw it back over to liam see if we've got anything for mtg this week yeah uh this week in MTG is is fascinating and and different. <laughs> yeah. Someone who works in a landfill in Texas found uh MTG codes. And and you might be like, well, yeah, a couple. Yeah, and you might be like, well, well, you know, Liam, the you know, people throw MTG codes away all the time. Well, as as unfortunate as that is, these these were not loose MTG codes. These were these were sealed product. Yes. It was sealed product of specifically Modern Horizons 2. And it was about six pallets worth. Yeah. Not not six packs. Yeah, not six yeah, six pallets. Not, not six packs. And and to put it in perspective, they were the they they were the three uh draft pack draft booster draft packs you get at like Walmart or Target or whatever. Yeah, you buy the three at a time. Yep. And in a box of those, I think someone said there were like ten or twelve. And then there are eight of those boxes to a, a a larger case. And then there are, I think it was eight cases to one of the boxes that goes on a pallet. Mm -hmm. Something like that. I, I can't remember what the exact numbers were. Uh, but it I, was, I want to say I kept hearing about $200,000 worth of sealed yeah. products. Yes. Yeah. The <laughs> Just in a landfill. Yeah, the estimation was about two hundred dollars to $250,000 worth of uh, sealed product. And then there was another postal later that included cards from Unfinity, Secret Layer, and Magic 30. But I'm not sure about the validity of that post. I do yeah. know the Modern Horizons 2 post was valid. 
and people who found out where this landfill was uh, quickly went dumpster diving. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. I can imagine them like cartoon style just running out of the dumpster, like just arms full of <laughs> yeah. hacks and loose cards. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a. Uh... <laughs> It's a it, it was it was interesting to to yeah see that and read that and made me a little sad but yeah and then also too I don't know if you heard or was this part of what you're uh, mentioning a minute ago that they also found supposedly I don't know the validity of this one either but supposedly someone found in another landfill or maybe the same landfill uh, uncut foil sheets from Lord of the Rings yes uh, those were actually not from a landfill those were from uh, those those were in the factory uh the factory that is oh okay yeah the, the factory that is that is currently printing and producing the lord of the Rings set someone found uh printed off uncut sheets that were trashed i imagine there was some kind of printing error that was the reason but they want they they apparently were not disposed of the usual way they were very literally just tossed in a bag and thrown out yeah like um, the one top corner was all busted up and that was about it yeah so uh we got some two early looks at uh one at frodo and one at one of the aragon cards so if you're interested yep. in that go go dig around for those but oh i'll yeah. wait for spoilers yeah, yeah for sure i i only know what cards they were because a friend shared them into a group chat that i'm in but yeah i, I mean i i couldn't tell you what the cards do i just i saw the names and ignored it I don't think, yeah, I was not gravitated towards the leaks either. I thought it was interesting. I always find it interesting when whole sheets or whatever gets spoiled, but yeah, I didn't go look at them. Yeah, yeah no. Um, what about you, Dave? If, if someone told you, hey, I work at a I work at a landfill, and there's a bunch of magic cards just sitting out in the fe- festering <laughs> piles of trash, you I would go get it? Yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have. I would have come up sick in the second half of my day, and oh, for sure, and, and gone sure. F- found that, and it was like you hear about it and you're like oh that's a lot and then you see the pictures and you're like oh my god it's just boxes upon boxes upon boxes like sealed like you know how they like shrink wrap or you know like wrap plastic wrap a pound around a pallet of stuff it was just like that just laying in the landfill it's like it's like i'll i'll worry about the smell and the trash juices in my car later <laughs> yeah later <laughs> oh that's crazy that's hilarious I don't, every year something crazy like that happens. i don't think i could fit a pallet of magic cards in my no car i think that was See, yeah, let alone the, six whole pallets here's the fascinating part is why did this dude post it online why did like i feel like the person who posted it online either doesn't play magic or is very new and doesn't understand the value because like that to me is just something that you you literally just pull it out of the landfill and you know put start it in your car st- put it in your car and just start selling it box by box like yeah 100 percent. take it to your lgs and like get store credit or something oh, if, gosh. You can, if you don't feel like selling like and people are trying to speculate like where they came from did, did a target just like dump excess inventory like because yeah. there was no from what i heard there was no sign of like water damage so it wasn't like a write-off or something somewhere did it come from a distributor I, like who knows my, my wife and i used to watch this show called um it wasn't sherlock sherlock's the bbc one i think it was elementary mm-hmm. the one with lucy yeah Lee. yeah yeah. yeah, there was an episode of that about like this kind of thing happening where there's supposedly this old like Atari or Nintendo cartridge that's widely believed to be the worst game ever made. So they landfilled like 200 copies and now it's a collector's item. Like that was okay. the premise. And like someone yeah. someone died in the process of trying to dig this stuff up. And like you know, Sherlock was talking to him and he was like, 
you're a suspect because we think that you maybe like found this thing and like killed him over this location he's like nope not me let me show you my shed and he just had already found it like 10 years ago and dug it all up did a secret in the shed (laughs) and was like drip feeding them to the public because that's that's how they're worth money like not you don't just you don't just unload the whole thing not posting it on like instagram so that the whole world knows about it like that's the technique oh great and they were modern horizons too like that's not a cheap set no it's not crazy craziness craziness but anyway i think we got something more interesting to talk about this week yeah talk about an important aspect of deck building game playing strategy having and that is the concept of card advantage Uh, this is one of the topics that's been it's sort of evolved as the game has evolved it's changed in appearance and definitions quite a few times over the decades i think we should just jump right in so dave what the heck even is card advantage i'm delighted to tell you about card advantage card advantage is one of those fun words that's a little bit nebulous and i think one Mm -hmm. of the reasons it's nebulous is that the definition has changed pretty dramatically over the years so i'm gonna i'm gonna start off by telling you what card advantage used to mean like 30 years ago right (laughs) and uh we'll we'll talk about how that's changed over the last several decades um the the classic original definition of card advantage was about how to get ahead of your opponent in terms of the cards you are spending and the cards that you still have available so it's it was pretty much basically entirely down to play decisions uh within within like how you are choosing to play the game and it was stuff like you know if you if you cast a terror tears one and a black destroys a creature essentially uh, if you mm-hmm. cast if you cast a terror to destroy someone's hill giant, that's card neutral because you have spent a card from your hand and you have deleted a card from their board. So you're both down one card. That's neutral. If you makes sense to me. Yep. If you spend a terror to destroy an enchanted hill giant, like a chi- a hill giant with giant strength, now you're that's card advantage because you are spending one of your cards to destroy two of your opponents. Mm-hmm. That's a... And it's not, if you don't mind if I interrupt, yeah, yeah, please. it's not necessarily in the show notes, but that's one thing that's sort of like, I know Morrow talks about it a lot, everybody talks about it a lot, it's just something that's sort of baked into the game, and that is that is one of the reasons auras specifically are so bad. Yes. Because you can just get blown out, you know, like a heroic deck, you go to target your Laguna Band Trailblazer and they cast it down, you just lost the enchantment you're casting the creature and probably five auras that were already on that creature yeah you have to, to one removal spell auras auras are all about getting one which is why yeah they're like wizards has been There's doing an inherently card disadvantage right wizards has been doing a pretty good job lately of making them like better like auras that have mm-hmm. an etb or like auras that you know try to replace themselves or are just really like like uh sticky fingers uh, yes, mm-hmm. is, is a great Excellent. example. Like it's an aura that you put on a creature, and then when the creature dies, you draw a card. So like if you yep. do get blown out, if someone tears your guy, like it's not exactly the two for one because the sticky fingers has replaced itself. Um, right, or like Cartouche of Solidarity gives you a little one one with vigilance, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I know that one's a little older, but yeah, yeah. So they're doing better with auras now, but yeah, or like auras were a, a spectacular example of how to card advantage in you know 90s magic was, you play the aura yeah. <laughs> someone tears your creature you just got two for one or you if you're the one doing the terror you're two for wanting them that was the, the essence of card advantage 
and like that's why like even 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 in the 90s we had some auras that were pretty good at this like stuff something with rancor mm-hmm. like if your hill giant yeah. has rancor on it and you cast a terror that's back to card neutral you're spending your terror you're killing the, the hill giant they get rancor back so it's still only one card for one card that's card neutral that's not carded right it's probably board state advantage it's, it's wise you should do that but it's not card advantage or alternatively if you if you try to terror the thing and your terror gets counterspelled that's also card neutral you've lost your terror they've lost their counterspell you're both down one perfectly neutral sure card advantage gets really fun when you're talking about things like board wipes so if you have like a wrath of god and you're going to cast it if it destroys two of your creatures and two of your opponent's creatures that's card disadvantage that's just simple math. Simple math. You have lost three you lost cards. Three. <laughs> your two creatures and the Wrath of God is now gone from your hand. They have lost two creatures. You're down one. And like it's, yep. I'm not saying it's a bad idea to do that. If your two creatures are grizzly bears and their two creatures are Sarah Angel and Shivan Dragon, you need to do that. Yeah, you need to do it. Yep. It's card disadvantage. You are you are down a card compared to where they are. This also used to come up a lot in blocking. If you had a five five and you attacked with it, it got blocked by three grizzly bears. That's card advantage for you. You are killing two of their cards for your one. That yep. sort of thing. Card advantage is an excellent tool with which you can explain to new players why chump blocking is usually a bad idea. So like I when I was when I would teach people magic, they were they were very, very protective of their life totals. If I was attacking them with a hill giant, over and over again they would block with their Llanowar elves because they didn't want to take three. Mm-hmm. That is massive card disadvantage. You're sacrificing your elves, and I'm not losing any cards. At all, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just sacrificing your elves to not take three damage. Like, that's... Don't do that. Yeah, just <laughs> don't do that. If you have 20 life, 19 of it is a resource. Only the last one matters. You can spend three yeah. of it to keep your elves alive. Don't... Because don't... if, you know... It... Go ahead. No, I was just going to, don't card disadvantage yourself like that. Just take the damage. Yeah, don't disadvantage yourself. Yeah. You know, if, if Variance is shining upon you that day, that Land and War Elf is going to make up that three life later in the game. Yeah. By producing mana, helping you cast bigger threats, that sort of thing. Exactly. So, um, to summarize this, ye old card advantage <laughs> uh, was a, a lens that players used to evaluate gameplay decisions. It, with it, mm-hmm. with an interest in, you wanted to try, like, to, to become a better magic player, to become a skilled magic player, you needed to be evaluating these in-game decisions based on how to maximize your card-for-card card efficiency compared to your right. opponents. Uh, especially with regards to removal and board state and, like, your resources. That's what card advantage meant in 1997. <laughs> Back in ye old days. Ye, ye old olden days. Uh, it has changed Old, substantially, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pass things back to Brad so he can tell us about modern card advantage. Yeah, the modern way we do things now. Uh, moving away from ye olden times, definition of card advantage. Over the years, the the operational definition of card advantage card advantage has shifted to mean spells that give you access to additional cards. You know. Let you look at them, let you put them in your hand, that sort of thing. It's not really about efficient removal anymore. It's not about board states or how to assess in-game decisions. 
nowadays it's used to refer to specific cards in deck building decisions so that you have cards in your hand all the time or more cards in your hand than you should have. It still isn't quite how we're going to define card advantage, but it is a little bit closer. Uh, it's worth taking a look at to provide sort of a framework for what comes next and to sort of bridge it to what came before, sort of in the middle. And I, I guess just the, the next logical step would be to give some examples of modern card advantage. If we move into like the uh, 2000s, 2010s, that sort of thing, get out of the 90s, you know, take a card like Divination. It is... Two and a blue, everybody knows that it's a limited all-star. It costs um it costs you one card, but it draws you two. I think it's originally from two thousand and ten. I think I think it I think it I think the first divination was M ten. Right. Yep. Yeah. There it is. M ten. And then Dark Ascent. Yeah. M eleven. Or Salvat, two thousand eleven. M twelve, Dark Ascension, yep. Yep. I knew it went back further, like way further, obviously, than M nineteen, but I couldn't remember. But yeah, basically, Divination is card advantage. Sure, it costs you a card, but it puts two of them into your hand. So that's you are card positive. You're plus one in total, so that is good. Uh, similar to that would be evoking a Muldrifter, something everyone knows, something everyone loves to do. And it's the same, pretty much the same as Divination. You are positive one card. Casting a Muldrifter is better, arguably better, since you're not actually losing the card that you're casting. And many times you're gaining that 2-2 flyer. Deep Analysis is another great one. It's quickly becoming a card. I didn't used to play with it a lot, but it's I'm, I'm really warming up to it lately. The more blue I play in PDH, the more I love it. So casting a Deep Analysis from your hand is just plus one, kind of like Divination. Casting it from your graveyard, you know, you could almost look at it like you're up two cards since you're not having to lose another one from your hand to do so. So it's very powerful if 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 your graveyard is still intact by the time you want to cast that deep analysis. Um, it's a little fragile. Yeah, graveyards are uh, always on thin ice in our format. So we got some good graveyard hate at common. If you can pull it off, though, the, the deep analysis from the yard, is that's a monster play. For only two mana, yeah. the card is berserk. Yeah, it just feels good. And yeah. that's, you know, and that's, it's funny you said that, too, kind of relating to what you, you were talking about a minute ago. You're like, oh, yeah, if you want to flash that back, it's so powerful. It's just two mana technically two mana and three life, but who cares about the three life? <laughs> the life is right? a resource. You know? <laughs> you know, you're not you're not casting it, you're not flashing it back when you're at two life, but you'll do it when you're at five or six. Like, who cares? Yeah. Only, so, only the last there. life point matters. Exactly. Another very powerful, very popular one is Treasure Cruise. It's often plus two in your hand. You know, you spend one card from your hand to get three brand new ones. That's awesome. Sometimes the math on that one gets a little tricky. Like, for example, if you if you delve away a deep analysis to pay for treasure cruise, you're losing the flashback ability of deep analysis and you know more than just one card from your hand, you're losing resources from your graveyard as well. So always be cognizant of your treasure cruises, your Gurmag anglers, your um oh, what's the Sultai one I always the creature, the Delve creature, he's like a gigantic flyer. I think it's Sultai something. The, hmm. I don't know the fly. Oh, the is there is there a bird? Uh, the three three six mana three three. Salty scavenger. That's yep, the one. Six mana three three. Vul the vulture yep. kid. Yeah. Yep, the vulture kid. Yep, bird warrior. Uh, so yeah, just be cognizant of those. But you know, if, if you got to do it, you got to do it. I mean, you don't want to not cast a treasure cruise just so you can keep your deep analysis in the yard. But it is something to think about. The point to all of this though is really. <laughs> 
the math can get squirrely, like super fast. And squirrely math is bad news for any deck builder that's trying to put together decks and struggling to choose which cards go into their card advantage slots. We don't have 36 lands and 64 card advantage slots. Usually have anywhere from four to six, maybe 12, depending on the deck you're playing. Like we just don't have a ton of slots for card advantage. So you have to be picky about it. So make your choice as well. But it is great news for a bunch of podcasters who are positioned to profit from this confusion by creating a whole episode <laughs> dedicated to talking about it. So what are you going to do? <laughs> That's for That's me. what we're here for. All right. Yeah, the like the the math on these gets can get weird like when you're when you're trying to evaluate like what's better deep analysis or mold drifter like mm -hmm. if you're choosing between those two like the, the the you can't just be like well one puts more cards into my hand than the other like cuz it's you can't just do the the plus ones like you got to you have to consider what what are the likelihood I'm going to flicker the mold drifter like right, how likely exactly. is it that I'm going to draw into it late and I'm going to need the 2/2 two -two flyer to get monarch or initiative like how likely am I to, to delve away the deep analysis or for it to get exiled from the graveyard before I can use it the second time? Or like how, how likely am I to discard the deep analysis of something else so I can just skip the first use and just hit that graveyard ability for like for the two mana? Like there's the the, the calculus involved goes nuts. Sure. Uh, it goes squirrely. It goes squirrely, as, as the mathematicians <laughs> say. One thing I was kind of thinking about too, and I don't think we need to go down this rabbit hole, but is the buyback mechanic would you consider that card advantage absolutely i i think okay. i yes i think i put a uh, handful of examples of those down at the bottom oh did you okay yeah because i was i always go back and forth on those like i was just talking a minute ago i was talking about playing og and how much fun i've had with it i have recruit the worthy in there recruit the worthy is a powerhouse that card is so is, underplayed underrated it is it really is i maybe it was just the particular pod we had going the particular game we had going i on any of my opponent's turns i never wanted to drop four mana right because that would cut into my being able to cast a second spell that turn sort of thing um, but i but i run into the same problems when i've got a slot or two available and i'm like hmm whisper of the muse that's a good card like yeah but how often you know mathematically am i going to have the mana to flash it back every single time it's it's those sort of things that you have to think about that i'm not great at like deciphering so that but they all play they all play into it the thing that i love most about recruit is that you don't it's it's not always the four drop like when you need to keep it into your hand so that you can continue doing things late game like if you're running out of resources it's just such an easy way to cast two or three spells a turn cycle by itself but like if yeah. you if you got a full grip and you're sitting there like i don't I don't need to buy this. Like I've got six other spells I can cast. I can trigger OG over and over again with just this. It's just an instant speed one one body that helps you trigger OG, and then you ignore it and move on. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to yeah, dedicate the one to it or the four to it. You can just drop it for one and forget about it. Yeah, and I think that's what I end up doing because I drew it. I can't remember if it was in my opening hand or I drew it early, like turn two, turn three, and I don't think I cast it. I ne I didn't even buy it back when I cast it. I just used it as a single mana spell so I could cast two spells in a turn, and I don't think I cast it till like second to last turn of the game. So we were probably turn ten plus. Yeah, so I just had to time it right and figure out what I wanted. Like you were saying, figure out what I wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that it offers that flexibility is really strong. Yeah, it's super good. Like, granted, I didn't get to buy it back, but it was a one mana one one 
at instant speed. Yeah. So can't beat that. All right, but back to the uh, the modern card advantage way of thinking. After everything I was tell- talking about, you're probably like, dude, Brett, what are you talking about? Isn't it weird that literally every single one of your examples is mono blue? Divination. And dear listeners. Analysis, treasure cruise. It's weird, right? They're all blue. All blue. How crazy is that? <laughs> that is a great question, dear listener. Blue makes pretty much the most accessible examples, but a huge part of today's episode is going to be getting into how how all the various and sundry colors of magic achieve card advantage in their own weird ways. It's not always about take card from library, put card into your hand. That's not, that's sort of the modern way of thinking, but that's not how every color accomplishes it. If some, I want to, if I, if I can. Hmm? Spoilers. Some of the culture, some of the colors accomplish this with buyback. Exactly. Yes. I don't want so to talk about that. We're going to go even further from the classic definition of card advantage. We're going to go into the postmodern era of card advantage with Liam. What do you got? Heck yeah. So the postmodern version of card advantage. Uh, this is the kind of card advantage that we're mostly going to be talking about today. Uh, it isn't directly inherently based in math or about getting more cards in your hand. Because like we've talked about, ideally, cards that you have access to anywhere are card advantage. In, in the postmodern definition. So uh, dedicated listeners to the uh, pod will recognize that the best way to describe this uh, postmodern conception of card advantage is simply pillar three, how to not run out of gas. It's such a good pillar. I love yeah. pillar three. Pillar three is <laughs> so good. Uh, some might say, some youngins might say that pillar three is gas. Oh, <laughs> I see that. what you did there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, like I said, this isn't strictly about having cards in hand anymore, uh, though that is certainly part of it, right? We, we don't completely discount the hand, but we're talking about cards in Graveyard, cards that you might somehow be able to access in Exile, cards that are on the battlefield, cards that are still in your library. How do they count towards card advantage? So, it's about having available plays, things to spend your mana on so that it's not going to waste. You want to uh, make a meaningful impact in the late game, and the way that you make a meaningful impact in the late game is by having no wasted mana anywhere. No yep. one likes dead drawing land number 11, 12, 15, right? When you're hellbent on turn 13 and you need an answer, seeing land number 27 is not going to make you happy. <laughs> right? Just feels bad. Honestly, that's what was that's what was happening Monday with my Ornithopter deck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> card advantage at its core is all about the different ways you can avoid drawing land number 35. All right? Exploring that is going to take us far beyond the color blue and divination. We're going to be looking at it color by color today. But in this postmodern definition, the most important thing to realize is that card advantage is not just what's about in your hand. It's about what you have access to play. Yep. And I think uh, part of what you were just saying sort of calls back the last episode where you know, being aggressive in green doesn't just mean like beating face on turns one, two, and three, or two, three, and four. It's also about having eight mana late in the game to pump into your invokers yep. sort of thing. So I think that's a very good explanation. And I like postmodern stuff, so. All right, I think uh, we're going to jump into the colors here. I think you're up, Dave. What do you got for white? I am going to tell you how white is going to accomplish card advantage. I'm really glad that we're doing white first, right after Liam's excellent description of uh, postmodern card advantage. Um, mm-hmm. Because white does not have a bunch of 
cards that sort of archetypically archetypically align with the standard issue divination, like put more cards into your hand thing. Um, right. White is going to rely hard on stuff like Recruit the Worthy to make sure that it continues to have plays that will impact the game in the late game. It's going to rely a little bit... I mean, not just Recruit the Worthy. There's, there's, a, there's a handful of buyback cards that are playable. Change of Heart, I think, is uh, worth some consideration. It's like a weird sort of pacifism, almost. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's great, but it's interesting. But like beyond buyback, there is a group of spells that you get to cast twice. And I think that those are a great way for white to, to have access to this, like, not running out of gas card advantage. Um, so things right. things that have adventure are great for this. Uh, white has a couple really good adventure spells. The, there's a unicorn, there's an Arden Veil Tactician. Those are solid. Yeah, we got some good ones in um, Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the griffin that gives something indestructible. I completely forgot that that card existed. Yeah. That card is awesome. yeah, that card is really good. Yeah, I try to jam that one whenever possible. Yeah, yeah, that's terrific. So yeah, cards that you can cast twice, like adventure, like buyback, flashback. I think is also white has some really powerful flashback spells, like uh, mm -hmm. prismatic strands. It's outstanding. One of the best. Yep, absolutely. Uh, marshalling cry. I I have found meaningful use for embolden. Which is just wow. a terrible white right. instant that prevents four damage to something. Uh -huh. But it has flashback, yeah. so you can prevent four damage twice. Like, I, I play that card in Furia, and uh, it, it does work for me. It, I mean, I don't know if it's good outside of Furia, where you want to cast a bunch of spells constantly, and you don't have access to blue. But in <laughs> Furia, that's a powerhouse. Hey, the art is spectacular. Oh, Rebecca Gway. I have a, I have a foil in Bolden somewhere. It makes me really happy. I bet that's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. Another way that white is going to get uh, late game card advantage, like not wasting the mana, continuing to have big impactful plays in the late game, uh, some of these things won't come from casting spells at all. Sometimes these are going to come from like having mana sinks. Mm -hmm. White has the best invoker. Its name is Dawn Glare. It is a 2-1 flyer that for 8 mana taps all of your opponent's creatures. Yes. Like all of them. Not a few of them. All of them. Yeah, that, that should almost read eight mana target player loses the game. Yeah, yeah. That, like <laughs> it doesn't target. Like you can't you can't counterspell the ability. You can't right. Like hexproof it away. It's just they're all tapped. The invoker doesn't tap like the other invokers. None of them tap. So <sighs> if you had sixteen mana, <laughs> you could do it a bunch. Yeah, like this. You could do it a bunch. This can you know. Do it during someone's upkeep so that they can't attack you, oh, and then also gross. they can't block. Yeah, so you have you have the best invoker, um, you have the best unicorn in the game. Uh, Steadfast, I think it's Steadfast Unicorn. Uh, it's yep. just a marshalling cry on a stick for four mana. It gives your creatures plus one plus one in vigilance. Like, yeah, that's a little nuts. Uh, there's a lot of ways in white where you can get this card advantage, not run out of gas thing, uh, without ever really drawing a card. Uh, but we do have a couple ways to draw cards as well. Um, Survival cash does work. Uh, technically, it also falls into this category of spells you get to cast more than once. Yeah. Because uh, it has rebound. But Huge. Each, each of the two times you cast it, you should be drawing a card. So it's basically just a divination in white. Yeah. It's a little slower, but it gets the job done. A little done. slower. But yeah, there's three mana you draw two. Yeah. Ephemerate, another outstanding card that you get to cast twice. Mm -hmm. Ephemerate really shines these days because white has a lot of bodies 
that will enter the battlefield and draw you a card. Yeah, we got a ton of them in the last uh, year or two. So many. We have Inspiring Overseer. We have uh, the, the Dwarven Cleric, Priest of Ancient Lore. We yeah, have Priest of Ancient Lore. We have the Doggo. We have the Harper. We yeah, have Search Party Captain. Search Party Captain is a great one. Yeah. We have a bunch of these. And like, not only th- this is a body that replaces itself, which is great. And then if you ephemerate it, you get more cards. And yeah. then if you ephemerate it <laughs> you again, sure you get even more cards. So uh, these these flicker, being able to flicker your ETB bodies, like with, I mean, if it doesn't have to be ephemerate. It could be uh, acrobatic maneuver, outstanding at flickering an ETB body, drawing cards. Um, so. And I know it's like not proper to think about it this way when building a deck, but basically like spirited companion plus ephemerate basically equals a generic and two white for draw three and make a one one yeah like i'm okay with that in the long run like it doesn't happen all at once but (laughs) yeah it's pretty good and like the the important thing about that conception is that even if you get them separately they're both still terrific cards yeah they're both great by themselves they're good they're good together they're great individually as well if you only get the spirit and companion it's body that replaces itself that's sure that's the card advantage if you uh if you only get the ephemerate you're gonna get two two free etbs out of something so yeah yeah. uh great there's there's not a deck that doesn't have a good etb creature in it right (laughs) at least one yeah the last flavor of white card advantage that i want to mention here is uh something that wizards has been experimenting with pretty recently and that is mutual card advantage or mutual card draw. Mm-hmm. The the most famous example of this, uh, I think Liam's going to talk about later because its name is Howling Golem. Uh, but <laughs> before we had Howling Golem, we had uh, a couple of these cards in white. Your Temple is Under Attack is an outstanding one. I mean, I put it in decks because it protects my creatures, but like if I need it to, it can make me and target opponent draw two cards Yep. for three mana at instant speed. Not bad. Huge. <clears throat> yeah, not bad at all. Especially if there's like one player who's like obviously the threat, and like you and an ally need to sort of like dig for an answer to that guy. That's four mm-hmm. cards worth of digging for an answer. Right. At instant speed. At instant speed. <laughs> like he, it can't be looked over. It's so good. It's pretty great. Uh, we also have a there's a body that does this. Uh, Farsight Adept is a three mana three three. Then it enters the battlefield and draws you a card. And also it draws an opponent a card. So this is another sort of mutual card draw. And I, I love that both of these cards are target opponent. Like how Howling Golem has its place. I love it to death. But like being able to sort of play politics with these with the Farsight Adept and the Your Temple to, to to make sure that it is a specific person who's getting the card. Like maybe the guy yeah, who's it's a very white thing to do. Right. Like the, the guy the guy who's missing land drops, you can help them out. Or the guy like I said, the guy who's working with you to try and take down the threat, uh, mm-hmm. being able to select which other player gets the cards, actually very powerful, I think, in terms of what yeah. card advantage. I don't think I've actually played Farsight Adept in PDH, but I was a huge fan of it when it came out. It just, I was so sad that it never did literally anything in 60 Card Popper, but yeah, uh, probably one of my favorite cards it's... from that set, from Zendikar Rising. It's so difficult to leverage that ability in a 1v1 setting. Yeah, so like that's I, true. I understand yeah. that it was very unimpactful in in sixty card like, popper. You know, if it was if it was any other color, you know, if it was red or maybe even blue, I could see it doing something in a sixty card format because those decks are typically faster. But just just being white, like mono white, 
Mono White's a little too slow to, to let your opponents draw cards. Yeah. But in PDH. PDH. Yeah, sure. Sign me up. Don't. And it's a 3 3. Like, that's not nothing. Don't yeah. let uh, Brownie hear you say that. You'll <laughs> have to just Sorry, prove Brownie. you wrong. Brown, right. Brown is going to build a Farsight Adept PDH deck. <laughs> Rule zero the common into the command zone. Like, <laughs> said, Kill what everyone. about White? I'll show them. I'll show them all. Start smashing the table with his fists. <laughs> right on spell table. Awesome. Uh, I love you, Brownie. Uh, yep. Uh, that's all I have to say about Mono White. Uh, until Brownie hears this and starts a conversation about it in the Discord. Um, right. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about it then. But for now, I want to hear about Blue. Well, Blue is Blue. Blue is easy. I kind of skated on this one. I got the uh, the, <laughs> the long straw here. Um, but Blue has all the classics, you know, straight card draw for days. <laughs> like, you know, we mentioned them before. Divination, Muldrifter, Deep Analysis, Treasure Cruise. Behold, the Multiverse is an all-star, another instant speed all-star that you can sort of pay on the uh, installment plan if you like. Mental Journey is another one that I haven't messed with too much, but it is very, very intriguing. It is six mana for an instant. You draw three cards, but it also has basic land cycling. So I think that's a very interesting combination to have where you could refill your hand at an expensive cost or go get a land if you need it. So I like that idea, and it's all at instant speed. Obviously, the cycling is too. Even the, uh, what is this card? Oh, yeah, the Draconic Lore, yeah. This one, when I am building a deck, if it has blue in it, I'm going through my blue stack of commons, and I come across this, and I have to stop and read it every single time. So I'm like, what? what is this card? And I look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the one I don't ever play for some reason. But uh, it's Draconic Lord, six mana, costs two less if you control a dragon. You draw three cards at instant speed. Seems good. Maybe I don't play enough dragons to make it worth it. Maybe I should play more dragons to make it worth uh, it. Um, but but it is very intriguing. The the thing about it is that like even without dragons, I think it's solid. Like because it's I mean, instant speed. There are that's true. The instant speed does save it. Granted, six mana is six mana, six but is instant lot. speed is huge. But like the the ability like six six mana is terrible for. There's a handful of six mana sorceries that will draw you three cards, like Thassa's Bounty stuff like this. Yeah, those cards are abjectly terrible because they're going to take your six mana away from you for the entire turn cycle yeah like, you just wasted a very crucial turn to right. draw some cards and if if someone else is going to use like someone else is going to be like oh you're tapped out like now it's time for my huge threat that you can't deal with but like right <laughs> that you get to leave all of your mana up for like counter spells and interaction you can be threatening about it and then after that if a, if the whole turn cycle goes around and you don't need to counterspell anything, you can just be like, "Whoops, I'll draw three. Like, yeah, that that is a really good point. You're like, "Oh, nobody did anything. I'll just draw some cards." Yeah, that's not small. No, that is not small. No, that's a good point. Maybe I should give it a little a, a little more um, benefit of the doubt, I guess. Yeah, because I'm just not. I, I feel like I say this a hundred times every episode, but maybe it's my sixty card background that I just don't tend to play blue draw spells that cost more than like two mana. Because I feel if like if I do, I'm gonna lose the game. But yeah. you're right. I think instant speed six mana is very viable in Popper Commander. I think I think that the dragon one has. A, I mean, I think obviously Mental Journey is better. Sure. If, mm -hmm. if there's if there's no dragons involved, Mental Journey is where you should be. The 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 sure. mana cycling is huge, 
and like if you're gonna pay six for it anyway give yourself options yeah you might might as well have a little flexibility if you're playing with mental journey and you're like man this card is so good i wish i could play a second one then i have good news (laughs) there's a second one (laughs) yeah Uh, another one that sort of blurs the line between advantage and card selection blue has a ton of them things like uh, ponder portent preordain brainstorm they're just classic blue cards like when you say magic the gathering blue like these are the cards people think of but they're not necessarily card advantage in in sort of the classic sense because they cost you a card out of your hand and you get one card in return not not positive one card you just get to replace that card but the power in these cards comes from their ability the uh, card selection ability and that is enormous in the respect or in the effect of not running out of gas in pillar three card selection is huge even if you're not going up in card advantage even though you're not plus one or plus three or plus whatever the fact that you got to choose what card you needed in a given moment is is outstanding and you know as is having the right cards to play at the right times like blue sure blue draws cards everyone knows blue draws cards i think blue's most powerful aspect is the fact that you can select the cards you want to draw or you need to draw in a given moment. Sure, it can draw you cards for days, like we said, (laughs) but being able to look at the top two or surveil two or draw three and put two back, like all the ways you have to dig, you know, impulse gets you four deep. Like those are huge. We have a couple big mana draw spells that are like scry four, draw two or whatever. Like that stuff is enormous when it comes to finding what you need when you need it. I don't know if y'all had any input on blue. It's pretty straightforward, I think. My favorite part of Ponder Portent and Preordain is that they make treasure crews cheaper. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, they really do. They fuel your your treasure cruises, and that ain't nothing. That's not nothing, as they say. So, I think if we're going um, in the order of the color pie, Liam, you got black. That's a pretty good color too for card advantage. Yeah, the black part of the color pie is is kind of like blue, where it has spells that directly draw you cards but they tend to have some other form of drawback or uh, effect stapled onto them in particular black is super saturated with uh effects like night's whisper and sign and blood uh you've got point of discussion for boating fruit crushing disappointment demons do uh and that's just to name a few of them there's there's almost uh, there's easily a dozen of these cards if not two at this point and and you will find them running around every kind of black deck there is uh, just drawing cards the good old-fashioned way. Black is also generally better than pretty much every other color at utilizing the graveyard. This comes mm-hmm. in forms like Flashback, Unearth, Encore. There's a bunch more, but really just taking creatures out of the graveyard for value. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty black thing to be to be doing when you're, when you're building your decks. And in addition to that, we also have uh, reanimation spells. And like we were saying earlier, you know, card advantage is more than just what's in your hand. It's it's about what can be played in every zone. And with these reanimation spells yeah. like Blood Fountain, Font of Return, Death Denied, uh, being card positive because they come in, they do something, and then they get you a creature back later, or they uh, yeah, and even like Blood Fountain like makes you extra cardboard. Yes. Those, That's not nothing. Those three in particular will each get multiple cards back from the yard. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, and continuing on, you've got 
some robust mill strategies with something that uh, my co-hosts, co-hosts have lovingly called the Harpy, which I believe is Mind Rack Harpy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this card so much. This card is brutal in EDH, let alone uh, uh, PDH. Uh, something they've called the Crow. I'm not entirely sure what that is. And something they've called the Vultra. Also not entirely sure what they what that is. Could, do you guys want to add in on those? Crow of Dark Tidings and Gorging Vulture. Gorging Vulture. Okay, I'm familiar with the Crow of Dark Tidings because it was in one of the two Commander Legend sets, but what's the Gorging Vulture do? Gorging Vulture's two and a black for a 2-2. It was only in Core Set 2020 and Jumpstart 2022. Uh, it's a flying 2-2 bird. When it ETBs, you put the top four of your library into your graveyard, then you gain one life for each creature card put in your graveyard this way. Okay, yeah. No, uh, I'll, you know... Using effects like that to mill both yourself and your opponents is both great forms of card advantage. Something else that I want to specifically mention is Siphon Mind. I know that Alk has very strong feelings on this, so I will be I I'll begin and then he can continue. Or yeah, I did want to sort of hop in real quick with things like like you were saying, Dave, that Blood Fountain, Font of Return, Death of Denied. You know, they get you multiple cards back. I think that those kinds of cards are they are sneaky powerful like they're more powerful than the text on the card appears to be like death denied is x x and two black for return x target creatures from your graveyard to your hand like you know you're not just drawing like if it was if it said x blue blue look at the top six cards of your library pick the two best you know, that's basically what this is. You're draw. You're you get to select the cards you're drawing from your graveyard. Like whichever ones you need at the moment, you get to get them. Granted, the best creature in your deck may not be in your graveyard, right? But you get to pick the creatures you need at that moment, or that will serve you best based on the um the turn, the board state, that sort of thing. But yeah, hear me out. If your commander is mm-hmm. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> I got it. I, uh, I often imagine that, yeah. I um I I'm definitely on board with everything you said. The the ceiling on Death Denied and Blood Fountain Font of Return is tremendous. They yeah. like the at, at at their best, they are wildly strong. But like we we have to the floor is also not great. Like if we're if we're talking about like it's it's really easy to get blown out by like casting death denied and then someone relics or like, you yeah. know, someone... or someone relics. And then on your next turn, you draw for turn, right? Death denied. <laughs> like it's not, it's not always Terrible. best cards in your deck into your hand. Yeah. So it, it, it can be. And I think they're very strong cards, but uh, you gotta, you gotta be kind of careful with them. I, I do just sort of love that. They're like card positive. I love that. I, I think all three of them are instant speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Death Denied is an instant. Death Denied loops with Hanakami, if you're in black green and you want to do that. Um, mm, I like a good Kami. Yeah, so that's cool. That is cool. The thing I like about black is that it's doing sort of these three separate things together really well. Like the, the flashback, the unearth, the encore, those are cards taking themselves out of the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And right. like the Blood Fountain, Font of Return, Death Denied, those are taking other cards out of your graveyard. Yeah. And then the the Harpy, the Crow, the Vulture, those are putting cards into your graveyard. And like the way that if you can get all of those like working together on a cycle, you can get crazy, crazy good card advantage that yeah. I, And they're I, all birds. What's up with that? They're all birds. Uh <laughs> Eerie Soul Tender is sort of my favorite example of this because it does all three of those things. It mills you. 
you can use it from the graveyard and it pulls something else out of the graveyard. It's just, it is everything that black graveyard yeah. resource wants to be doing all on one card, which is nuts yep. to me. Um, Yeah, you want to tell us about Siphon Mind? Yeah, so uh, going back to what I was saying with Siphon Mind, this has a lot of interesting discussion surrounding it about how exactly card positive it is, in particular in the in the classic card advantage math kind of way, the, the kind that Alk was talking about earlier. There's a lot of talk about people doing math on in multiplayer games where Siphon Mind can be card positive. I believe we were discussing up to five cards. It also depends how you're looking at the situation. Uh, Dave, you're going to do this a lot better than I'm going to do, so I'm going to pass <laughs> it back to you for Siphon Mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, I have gotten into online arguments with people before who are valuing in 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 sort of the classic modern card advantage, like count how many cards you gain and how many your opponent lost. Like some people do that math for Siphon Mind and conclude that Siphon Mind is plus five card advantage because you are. How is that possible? It seems like a crazy number, but uh, this is this is the math that they're doing. You spend Siphon Mind, so you're at mm -hmm. minus one. Each of your opponents loses a card, so that's collectively plus three for you. Best case scenario, yep. Best case. And then you draw three cards. So you're at plus three for them discarding, plus three for you drawing. You're plus six after spending only one. Yep. I think that that is a terrible way to do the math. And I, I see this... That never would have even occurred to me that, to do the math that way. Yeah, I... I see this. This comes up a lot with also like the card Burglar Rat. I've I've had I've had sort of the same people argue with me that Burglar Rat is a plus two card advantage because you are spending one, and each of your opponents discards one, so that that counts as plus three. And like right, the thing you have to keep in mind is that first of all, uh, they're going to discard the worst cards in their hand. Like this is not the power play. Like you're not getting their game breaking cards. You're getting whatever's... right. You're not you're not thought seizing the table. Right. You're you're getting their you know 18th land, like yeah. a lot of the times. Uh, second of all, if you want to count, if you're going to count each opponent discards one as plus three, the the calculus there suggests that each one of those cards was coming directly for your face. Like if you get three lightning bolts and you're like, yeah, I'm plus three on the table, that only makes sense if all three of those lightning bolts were headed for you and your stuff. Like right. in a multiplayer format, like it is reasonable to assume that like one of those lightning bolts was for you, and the other two probably were going to other people's things. Like, yeah, it's a very safe un assumption. Unless you are the arch enemy all the time, and everyone is throwing all of their stuff at you all the time, each opponent discards one is isn't plus three. It's like to me that argument sort of sounds like you know, okay, I cast Siphon Mind, I am plus five cards. It's almost like saying, oh, Dave got mana screwed and had to discard the hand size. I am plus one card because <laughs> <Right>? of that. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I guess. Like, I, I lost I a guess. card that you didn't. So, like, you, right? you're plus one. Like, there is an argument to be made that you're plus one. But, like, <laughs> it's not a good argument. And you shouldn't put any faith in it. You should, right. you should like, examine this argument and be like, huh cute and then set it aside and not make decisions <laughs> based off of it like this is my i personally i value siphon mind at about plus three i think that you spend one card i to, to me each opponent discards one 
has the approximate value of you going plus one card. Sure. So I think that's fair. You 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 spending the siphon mind, everyone else loses a card from their hand. That to me is neutral. That's card neutral. But then you probably draw three cards. So siphon mind is still outstanding. It's still plus mm -hmm. lots. You should still play it in all your black decks. Amazing card. I just don't think it's a plus five card advantage thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely on the one of the best cards in the format. It's Absolutely. super powerful for what it does and everything, but it's I don't think it's the uh I am plus twelve cards in this game sort of thing. Right. So a, a lot a lot comes back to the idea that like if you're trying to do this like very classic, very modern like card advantage math, like a lot of things go really squirrely with how you count the cards and like what counts as a plus one card and what counts as you losing resources and your opponent losing resources. A lot of it goes weird. So Siphon Mind like, outstanding. I don't even I look at Siphon Mind as a draw spell not yeah. a control spell not a discard spell and i want to cast it as early as possible because once you get down to one or two opponents it feels less and less good yes yeah that's that, Anywho. that's the other thing if you have if you have less than three opponents it gets a lot worse or if yeah if one of your opponents is hellbent like that sucks oh yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that is just math right there so much math yeah who who even likes math why are we talking Math. I don't know. I don't know who would choose that as a profession. Math is awful. <laughs> God, could you imagine teaching it? I I know, right? I can't. God. That sounds. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> having two math jobs, like come on, two at the same time. Uh, yeah, golly, that's madness. Speaking of madness, ooh, ooh uh, did you like... catch that segue? That was professional uh, podcaster segue this is why i say i'm not a math teacher i'm a podcaster um <laughs> madness we're talking about madness because dear friends we need to talk about how red is going to do card advantage um mm -hmm. red uh is going to start to get a little weird we're not we're, we're we're moving away from you know black and blue have these very classic like this this spell says draw three cards, so I'm gonna put cards into my hand. Like it's right. very straightforward. Red has to do some really tricky nonsense to make sure that it stays relevant into the late game. Lately, we've been getting a lot of really powerful. You know what? No, I segued with madness. We're gonna start with the madness. Um, <laughs> Red has. I, I, we're, we're throwing these throw, show notes out the window. Uh, That's right. Red has a lot of cards that are outstanding as card selection. Uh, things like Thrill of Possibility, Tormenting Voice, Cathartic Reunion. Each of these is card neutral, according to your standard math, because you know Thrill of Possibility, you, you spend the thrill, you discard a card from your hand, so you're down two, but then you draw two. So uh, by themselves, these cards are all really excellent card selection pieces. So you're discarding the card that you don't need, and you're drawing into cards that you do need, you do want, mm -hmm. one hopes. So uh, there's a, there's definitely a lot of power there. If we structured this around the idea of, like, I don't want to dead draw land number 11, right? Thrill of Possibility will, will help you. When you dead draw number 11, you can pitch it and get two new cards. And, like, hopefully they're not lands number 12 and 13. <laughs> but, like, there's... It, there's good odds that they're not both lands 12 and 13 when this happens. Sure. Um, so this is this is how we're going to do the card advantage there. 
but it's not real advantage unless you are really capitalizing on the discard part of this uh which brings us back to madness madness is far and away my favorite mechanic in the whole game mm -hmm. i think a lot of people undervalue madness constantly like i think you've admitted to being a slut for madness unrepentant and egregious at every <laughs> opportunity you know with with a card like fiery temper i think a lot of people are looking at fiery temper and thinking at best this is lightning bolt it's a single red mana and you uh you deal three damage at instant speed mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are not considering that it's a lightning bolt that dodges a discard when you lightning bolt something like this you are not discarding a card it's like a lightning bolt that cantrips kind of yeah like and that's nuts like I think Madness is wildly overpowered. In a, in a deck that is set up to like really use and, and take advantage of Madness cards, Madness goes hard. And so Yeah, there's not a there's not a ton of decks where Madness spells are just generically useful because you never know when you're going to end up discarding it. But... Right. You have to sort of like create your own discarding events. Like you have to yeah. build around it. But like if you build around it, the Madness Madness goes much further for you than than I think a lot of people give it credit for because mm -hmm. It's not just casting the spell cheaper. It's casting the sure. spell cheaper and dodging a discard. And that's how you generate this value. That's how you get the card advantage. Instead of discarding a card that I just don't get to use, I get to use it also and get all right. the benefits of whatever I was discarding it for. Um, so if you're using the Thrill of Possibility, it stops being card neutral and starts being, I just cast Thrill and a Lightning Bolt, so I'm not actually down <laughs> one here. And I'm drawing two cards. Like that's that's how red. That's I, I. I mean, it's not the only way red does it. It's my favorite way red does big, big card advantage value plays. So that's the madness package. Uh, the other thing we need to talk about in red is impulse draw, uh, mm. which is huge. First in the show notes, but I skipped it for this for the madness segue yeah yeah you had to make the, make the segue work really it was too good it. you couldn't skip it right yeah oh i was so into madness i never even mentioned flashback if you discard a flashback card to thrill a possibility that's also um, that's also very good yeah. yeah so you gotta you gotta find some way to utilize this discardness there there are other ways besides flashback madness like unearth there's a couple of those things there's a couple other things as well like uh there's some sort of strixhaven historian it exiles itself from your graveyard to make a token. And there's like, against breath, brings itself out of your graveyard. There's a, there's an Eidolon. Every, mm, every you cast a multicolor spell. Yeah, or whatever. it just comes yeah. back in your hand. Like, I think those are super underutilized. Uh, they are. They're pretty fun. It doesn't work in mono red because you can't cast a multicolored spell. But like in a multicolored right. <laughs> deck, if you're utilizing these Eidolons, if you're discarding the Eidolons and then getting them back for free, things can things can get out of hand. I just interrupted my own self again. <laughs> <laughs> I got to talk about Amazing. Impulse Draw. Um, the, the most basic boilerplate flavor of Impulse Draw we have is the card Reckless Impulse. This is oh, just... I love it so much. It's so good. This is a two-mana sorcery. Exile the top two cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. 
Uh, this is clean and simple. Clean and pure. Uh, yep. This is this is Red's divination. You yeah. get you you spend one card, you get access to two cards. It is in some ways worse than divination. Everyone gets to see what these two cards are, and you only have two turns to use them. Yeah, they don't go in your graveyard or back in your library, nothing like that. If you don't spend them by the end of that next turn, they're gone forever. So you can't sandbag it, but you can get some really solid advantage out of this. And we've gotten a couple mm -hmm. others that are similar. Like we have, uh, we have Galvanic Relay, uh, does that, but with Storm, which can get out of hand. God, so abruptly, crazy out of hand. Yeah. yeah, I said. I said at the, the beginning that I was building um, 40k decks. The red deck is uh, Noise Marine Cascade Storm. <laughs> and Galvanic Relay Sounds is amazing. unreal in that deck. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's two and a red for a sorcery that should basically say draw five or more. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you impulse draw five. You only, yeah. you, you only get one turn to use them. You you yep. can't use them that turn. You have to use all five of them on your next turn. Yeah, so it's it's dangerous. It's a risk, but golly, but you get so many cards out of it. That storm yeah. on that thing is berserk. Uh, Ripley Vance is another deck that just loves Galvanic Relay unreasonably. Oh sure. Um, we also got uh, Experimental Synthesizer in Kamigawa. This is a mm -hmm. tremendous card. It's a uh, it's you know an artifact that comes in for one mana and gets you that impulse draw this turn only. And when it dies, it gets you a second impulse draw, and it has an ability that lets you sacrifice it um, to make a yes. make a body. So, yep. really incredible impulse draw effects that we have lately. Uh, and it's a permanent too. I know that matter. It's an artifact like yeah. that, that that plays into a lot of synergies as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's an all star in my Yuri deck. Sure. So the thing I like these these last three cards I mentioned these are just pure dedicated impulse draw effects they don't do anything yep. else they just impulse draw really well the thing that I'm really excited about for red moving forward is we've gotten a handful of these impulse draw effects stapled on to other things yeah so we just got in Phyrexia we just got blazing crescendo which is a plus three plus one combat trick that also impulse draws a card yeah how crazy is that oh my god <laughs> like i love that this is the direction that red is going yeah and it's not like plus one plus one plus two plus oh no it's it's plus three plus one like that's yeah. huge that's no small amount that's not small that's good yeah and uh we also just got very both of these cards have like in the last couple of months goblin researcher we just got in jumpstart 22 uh this is a three four mana three three that exiles a card when it enters and you can cast that card on any turn in which this card has attacked. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's tough to keep the researcher alive. Like it's possible that this just doesn't work for you, but it's possible that it does work. And sure. that excites me. The last thing that I need to talk about in red is I feel like I've been just rambling sort of aimlessly, like just, <laughs> just jumping back and forth all over the place. Sorry. I have, I get, I have a lot of feelings about red. <laughs> you do. It's it's great. Thank you. The last thing we have to mention, and then I'll be done with red, is uh, explicitly the card Faithless Leading. We have mentioned this in in past episodes of the PDH Pod, usually in the context of how it's kind of a trap. I think lots of people see the text draw two, and they see the text, they see the legality banded modern, 
and they think this card must be generically outstanding. <laughs> and it's not. Generically, in a vacuum, this card is bad. This card is... It's adequate card selection, but it's card disadvantage. It's yep. always going to be a three for two, because you're spending it and then two other cards to only draw two. Yep. So the reason that it's banned in Modern is because people were abusing the heck out of the discards they had that uh the spell uh, blade. Hogak. yeah they, they they were they were hogacking it they were hollow wanting it yep. they they had the that you know you have four copies of faithless and four copies of uh what the, the i don't even know what they were using in modern with it basking root wall maybe fiery temper i have no idea uh they, they were well, it's it Faithless Looting is the whole reason that Rakdos Reanimator is a deck in 60-card popper. Like, oh, yeah, I believe that, yeah. You know, you can do crazy stuff on turn two because of Faithless Looting. Yeah, yeah. Turn one, Faithless Looting, discard Ulamog's Crusher and Dragon Breath. Turn, yeah. Turn two, Exume. Bingo. <laughs> Attack for Game eight, over. Annihilator two. <laughs> like, yeah. Scoop? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like, in a deck that is specifically and very carefully designed to take advantage of of what faithless looting is offering then it's a powerhouse if you're just kind of mindlessly slamming into decks thinking like it says draw two on it so it must be good i'm going to put it into my gruel stompy deck like, oh, ouch. you're not you're not going to get out of it what you want it's not going to work for you yeah um, i don't even like it in is it spell slinger decks yeah i i only have it in decks that are very very intensely madness flavored like I think it's in my oh, odds sure, maker sure, list. Sure. Like it's not in any of my other decks. Right. Yeah, I just it feels bad playing it. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm. It, was, it honestly does. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't. Like, I don't it's have. It's so Hogan's. weird to have such a powerful card feel so bad sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It, I harp on this being a trap a lot because uh, I it it trapped me. Like I used sure. to have it in a couple of my decks. I was like, oh, it's really good. And it was like, no. Every time I played it, I was like, eh, it feels bad. Yeah, it feels bad. I got to take I this out next time. And then you forget to take it out and you get trapped yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that is the end of me rambling endlessly about red card advantage. So I'm going to pass things back to Brad so he can tell us about green. All right. Let's do a little green. Green has got a little bit, little mix of everything. I think it's got a couple pieces of just straight up card draw, similar, maybe not as powerful, but similar to blue cards like Bequeathal. You can drop on one of your creatures, uh, or, or any creature, and if it dies, you draw two cards for a single green mana. That's good. You just have to wait for the creature to die or have a way to kill it. Also, we have things like Sitinal Wood Readers. It's a 1-4 for 3. If you kick it for 2 and a green, you know it ETBs and draws you two cards. Like That's really powerful in green. And honestly, you know a 4-butt is good, and 4 mana is not a huge ask in most green decks, particularly mono green decks. That is not a huge ask at all. So drawing two extra cards is very good. If you could throw it in some sort of Selesnia or Simic build where you can flicker it, well, I guess you can't. You couldn't draw off the flicker, could you? Oh, it works really well with it. Halar. Oh yeah, there you go. There you go. Yep. The uh, the kicker care about her, and then uh, so green like white. It's got a couple pieces of repeatable card draw, like we mentioned earlier, Rancor. Uh, we talked about Recruit the Worthy. Well, we got Sprout Swarm in green where you can make a token, buy it back. And then um, I know we mentioned Baldur's Gate earlier. We got Dread Lenorm, which is a go on an, an adventure snake dragon. It's a 7-6, which is absolutely gigantic for 7 mana. 
Uh, it can't be blocked by creatures, power three or less. And then the uh, adventure side of it, you um, protect a creature, make it hexproof, put some counters on it, that sort of thing. So very good. Those are card advantage because you can do something with them again or they come back to you. It's not just here's, you know, five mana or whatever to get one sapling token and then hope you draw something else. Like, no, it's another buyback card. You can get it back in your hand. Rancor, after you cast it the first time, assuming they don't kill your creature the next time you target it with Rancor, it's just a f almost like a free spell after that. And then lately, similar to all the impulse effects that we have gotten in red, Watsi has been pretty nice about giving us some ETB draw creatures in mono green like um we've always we've had land of war visionary for a long time or, or no sorry we had elvish visionary for a long time we recently got land of war visionary we have things like owlbear which is one of my favorites we have uh, silverback shaman granted you, you draw when it dies but i like to see draw a card put on a green creature because we just don't have a ton of it and I'm, I'm i'm honestly okay with it with you not drawing the card until the creature dies like not every creature has to have etb draw a card like in every color it just doesn't it doesn't have to be that way and then sort of like black green has got some really powerful graveyard synergies uh, like voracious typhon has escape comes back as a huge creature moments peace a lot like prismatic strands is one of the best fogs not just in pauper formats but like Almost in the game, at the rarity it's at, it is crazy good. I think only Tangle is probably a little bit better, but I love the flashback appeal because it's basically like you get two spells. You're playing a 101-card deck at that point, even though it's 100 cards. So I like the option of being able to flash it back. And then tapping at the window is in the show notes. It's not one I actually... I think this is on my list of cards that I need to get. I only have like one of these, I think, and I can't even remember what deck it's in. But you look at the top three cards of your library. You can reveal a creature card, put it in your hand, put the rest into your graveyard, and you can flash it back. So that's got some definite graveyard strategies, a little bit of card selection strategies, that sort of thing. Um, I don't play a lot of... I don't know if it's a subconscious choice or, or what, but I don't play a lot of Graveyard Matters decks in PDH. I need to, that's one thing I've been looking into lately, some more Golgari stuff, some more Delve stuff, that sort of thing. So um, I think tapping at the window would be an auto-include in most of those decks. It's huge fan. Um, Tortured Existence, 60-card Pauper Tortured Existence is one of my favorite decks of all time, and I'm trying to figure out a way to get as close as possible to that in, in Pauper Commander. So... I'll get there one day. I'm sure we have it already. I just haven't really looked into it much. I've been so consumed by uh, Orzov and Flicker decks and that sort of thing. I would I would look at Molder Hulk. Is that the not the scavenge one? Which one is that? Uh, he costs less. He has a cost Undergrowth. reduction. Undergrowth. That's it. Yep. First oh, no. creature in your graveyard. He's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He costs six six. One less. Yeah, and he's just uh -huh. a six six. Yeah. Uh, for, I have uh, been for... playing the. Uh, I, I've been playing the heck out of Spiritmonger, and that thing is a beast. Like, that thing is wild. It's it's really good. I like Spiritmonger's it a lot. thick as hell. Oh, so I, thick. <laughs> like, the the thing, I have I have a handful of, like, red, or not red, I have a handful of green-black decks, and, like, in every single one of them, I, I start designing it, and I'm going to, like, this deck, I'm going to move away from trying to do like graveyard resources i'm going to do something else and mm -hmm. then i put more cards in the deck and i'm like oh it turned into a graveyard deck like yep, it's just sure did <laughs> it's so easy to just like 
like when you get to the part of the deck where you're like, I'm going to add some card advantage stuff so I can do stuff like game. It's just, it always turns into a graveyard deck because black and green are just so good at it. Like they're so good at it. They're so good at putting cards in there, getting cards out of it. Just both of yeah, all of it. Like they, yeah, they do, they do the self mill so well. And then they just pull cards out of the graveyard so well. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that kind of goes along with the next note here in that, one of the things that green does better than pretty much every other color is dig. Like dig is a casual term for looking at the top X cards of your deck, choosing one, sometimes more and putting them into your hand. Uh, blue has some of this with like uh, I mentioned it earlier impulse. There's anticipate peer through depths, yada, yada, yada on and on forever. But green does more of it with like um, gift of the gargantuan, Relentless Pursuit, Commune with Nature, Commune with the Gods is an excellent one. Adventure Awaits, Scout the Borders, and one of the newer ones that we've gotten recently is uh, Wasteful Harvest, a very good one as well. Some of these mill, some of these mill the, uh, the Unchosen cards, which is great for Green's Recursion Package of like Elven Cachet, Reclaim, Pulse Marasa is one of my one of my pet cards, one of my favorite green cards ever printed at Common. I don't really know why, it's just it never feels bad, I guess, because you always gain the six life and that's just like, okay, sometimes, even if, you know, something happens in between there. Six life um, at instant speed is a lot. It is a lot. And it, you can feel that it's a lot based on how your opponent, your opponent reacts to it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like there's always that moment towards the end of the game where like, you know, you're at three and your opponent's at four and someone is attacking you each for lethal. And you're like, I'll survive <laughs> actually. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> yeah. I'll survive. And I'll put a wrecking beast into my hand. Are you uh... at six? That's weird. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah, that works out. I, I don't even do math. It's just what a... coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine doing math. Oh, no, I don't want to. Good call. Um, it, Another super powerful thing that green does that I don't know if you could play any green deck without including at least a little bit of this effect is digging the top of your deck. Like, lead the stampede, winding way, you meet in a tavern, crew fixes insight, that sort of thing, just because generally they only hit creatures or lands, but it's going to get you what you need. If you're playing a primarily green deck, you're going to need one of the, one of those two things. You know, you're not looking for a particular spell or a particular artifact in most green decks. Like you're looking for your land or you're looking for your creatures or both. And those spells will get, will, will, will find it for you. I like lead the, I like you meet in a tavern just because it's also got the Anthem attached. It's kind of a kind of hurts that it's sorcery speed, but I totally understand that. Yeah. So I, I like, I like gift of the gargantuan and relentless pursuit. Because those are almost always going to be card positive for you. Like you spend the card and you're, you're going to get one creature and one land. And I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, That's one that you actually introduced me to a few months ago. I had no idea it existed. It's from Shards of Alara. Oh, I guess it was in Jumpstart 2022 as well. Basically, it's look at the top four cards of your library, reveal a creature and or land from among them, put them in your hand. Like That's really good for three mana. Being, being able to get two cards out of it is what kind of sets it apart from like the rest of it's a green divination three mana for two cards exactly like relentless pursuit is basically the exact same card except it bins the stuff you don't choose instead of Mm -hmm. putting it on the bottom because Um, theros stuff yep because theros uh so i like both of those Uh, i like lead the stampede more like the other four the the last four you just mentioned lead the stampede you meet in a tavern winding way and crew fixes insight those will all get you 
multiple cards of the same type. Yeah. So if you're sitting huge. there and you're like, man, I really wish I could do... I, I, I wish the next card I drew was three creatures. <laughs> if the next card you draw is lead the stampede, like, it probably is three creatures. Like... You ever played against an elves opponent or a slivers opponent where they cast lead the stampede? And they're like, "Oh, I'll put four cards in my hand." It's right. cool. <laughs> like it is. It is possible to whiff oh. with this thing, but it's also sure. possible to just plus four yourself, which is yeah, berserk. Like, yeah, I love lead the stampede. Like you meet in a tavern. Uh, Winding way can do that with creatures or lands. Mm-hmm. I love Winding way. Crewfix's insight does that for enchantments, which is a lot less useful. But it's it's a powerhouse in Rabid Wombat. I don't think it gets okay. played yeah. anywhere else. Maybe Eutropa. <laughs> does Eutropa like Crewfix's insight, or does Eutropa have enough blue spells that it kind of doesn't care? I don't know. I've never no. played Eutropa. Oh, it's so good. That's another card that just is an absolute beast in Tortured Existence decks. Like, yeah. <sighs> you gotta build build. Uh... If you're going tor- Tordex, it has to be either. Conrad, where Tordex is your win con, because I think it becomes... that's why I haven't built it yet. Because I'm like, oh, Conrad. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's perfectly valid. Uh, or, I mean, Molder Hulk is a great Tordex deck. Uh, I can see that because there's absolutely a two mana seven six or whatever <laughs> six six. Yeah, yeah like you that's get to, totally fine. You get to run all the self mill so that your graveyard's just constantly full of stuff. Brings a land back, to... sure. Yeah. And then you get to, um, you can just Tordex stuff like Grave Scrabbler and like Basket right. Bootballa. Yep. <laughs> like just get cards back over. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think if, if I wanted a Tordex deck, it would be, uh, or, 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 or. Here's the other option I just thought of. Um, mm-hmm. there's the, the, the Lazatep kid that lets you amass every time you discard. Hmm. Lazatep Ch- Chancellor, maybe? Oh, the Chancellor, that's the Demir one, yep. Yeah, in Whenever Demir. you discard, you can pay one if you do a mass two. Yeah, that guy. Uh, blue gets you Dizzy Spell, which transmutes for Tordex. Sure. And then you Good can, point. you can like, discard. You can just sort of, like, you know, if you have two creatures, you just discard them back and forth with Tordex and amass two each time. <laughs> like, seems good. Seems fun. Seems, seems like it could be all right, yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. you still have, you know, blue-black is just as good at madness as black green probably a little sure. better yeah i think a little bit better it doesn't have arrogant worm but you do have like nagging thoughts and just the wind and stuff obsessive right. search yeah yeah i would uh i would i would lazatep chancellor it up if i wanted a tordex deck nice i hadn't even thought about it. i'm so used to tordex being just a golgari deck sometimes jund and very rarely mardu i hadn't even thought about just straight up demir yeah i was thinking like what if you're building the Tordex deck, how do you tutor Tordex? And I think it's just Dizzy Spell. So I was like, what yep. blue-black thing cares about discarding? Bingo. Gotta be, gotta be the Chancellor. Gotta be the Chancellor. Yeah. All right. I think that puts a cap on green. We got one uh, one color left. It's colorless. Uh, Liam, you want to tell us about some colorless options for card advantage? Uh, yeah, sure. So when it comes to colorless, uh, the options are fairly limited, if not non-existent. Um, so we talk a lot on this, uh, cast about Crystal Grotto and Decacious Dig Site. We should mention that they are powerful sources of card selection, not necessarily card advantage. Uh, Mm -hmm. Grotto coming in, letting you scry one, Decacious Dig Site, letting you, uh, 
tap itself and three other mana to surveil one. But these are both still very good inclusions in pretty much any deck. Ceremonial Knife puts in work in the card selection department by making blood tokens. If you watched the VOD uh, from this past Monday, uh, or even if you tuned in on Monday, you would have seen my Ceremonial Knife, my Ornithopter deck, made like eight blood tokens. Oh, yeah, yeah you, like it, you never didn't have them. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty nuts. Um, note that blood tokens are in fact selection because they do require you to discard a card to draw one. Uh, they are not yeah. just straight card advantage. However, blood tokens are artifacts, and if you're in an artifact deck, you by our postmodern definition, you could almost consider the blood tokens themselves to be card advantage if you're having some kind of ability triggering with those artifacts entering and or leaving. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, so so ceremonial knife is just puts in a lot of work. If you if you like prying blade or uh, whatever the other one is, yeah, that was I wanna, that was going to be the I one say, I brought up. I want to say gold vein pick is the other one. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, yep. If yep. if you like those two cards, ceremonial knife should be on your radar. Uh, it should be held above those two, in my opinion, because while treasures are good, cards are better. Here's here's yeah. the other massive difference. Uh, prying blade and gold vein pick require you to damage a player. Mm-hmm. Ceremonial knife triggers off of any damage. Combat off damage. Any, yeah. okay. any kind Combat of damage. Combat damage. Yep. So like I had a I had a game last week where I, I got the ceremonial knife on Nodica. Mm. And I was getting I was getting a blood token every 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 one of my combats I attacked and got a blood token. And then on every other player's combat, like they were attacking me with things, and I was like, "Cool, more blood!" Like, yeah, I'll just yeah. block. Give me, give me that blood. Yeah, <laughs> like I was making two or three blood tokens every turn cycle, and I was just like, Shoot. "Cool, I'll put, I'll put enchantments into my graveyard. There's no, nothing can go wrong there. Like yeah. they can. Who, who recurs enchantments anyway? Yeah, right. Who no, does that? Norika. Who Weird. could possibly do that? <laughs> Um, yeah, I hadn't has... really thought about the uh, equipment being card advantage, but you know, to I think maybe to a lesser extent because it's not completely reliable. But things like Explorer Scope can be uh, very Splorp. helpful. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, continuing on with the colorless, we've got a slew of mana rocks: uh, Bondos Ornament, Network Terminal, Lantern Revealing, Magnifying Glass, that all do some variation of draw a card. Uh, Bondos Ornament very literally says, I, I think it's four mana tap, draw a card. Yep. Network Terminal yep. is, you're going to have to help me with this. It's, it's All Network Terminal does is say tap a scare tiller. It doesn't say draw a card. Um, <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Pay one. Yep. Yeah. Tap and and when, you tap a, when you tap a scare tiller, you, you get to uh, uh, bring lands from your graveyard. Lantern card of, advantage. Yeah, that is yes. card advantage. For days. You, you, know, you discard, the lands to, <laughs> discard the lands to your faithless looting and then bring them back with scare tiller, right? Yeah. Oh my god, that's just so stop. Yeah, you've got so easy. you've got Lantern of Revealing, which I know this is this has an activated ability of three or four mana. Four. It's four. You know, I keep forgetting that y'all actually scryfall the link these things and I should just be reading them. <laughs> so it's a four mana activated ability. Uh look at the top card of your library. If it's a land, you may put it on the battlefield tapped, and if you don't put the card onto the battlefield, you may put it on the bottom of your library. So yep. again, uh just pulling ripping cards off the top and putting them directly into play is card advantage. Uh, magnifying glass is four mana to investigate, and we all love clues. Yep. Uh, and yeah. for free artifacts. Last with that. but not least, we have our good old uh, group hug friend, Howling Golem. Whenever this, Yay. whenever this friend attacks or blocks, each player draws a card. <laughs> whenever this so friend good. attacks or blocks, it is, it is so good. That is the best card advantage in our format. 
It's true. Every turn cycle, two, two. Every turn cycle, you you're, you draw four cards, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm okay with that for three mana. Yeah, seems sure. good. Why not? This seems good. That's all I got for colorless, unless y'all want to add something. Uh, no, I think you're about right. I mean, we have the lands that like care about how many times you've cast your commander and you get to scry or do whatever. So oh, yeah. I, I think those are down down the list a little bit, but those are technically advantage. Uh, but no, I think you pretty well nailed it. We have some very good rocks that we can use, a couple good lands, that sort of thing. Got anything else, Dave, for the colorless world of card advantage? Um, if we're if we're processing colorless as you can put these into any deck, then yeah, uh, study hall, very cool. Uh, you can very cool. Hmm? You can get. Oh, I'm sorry. We're... Cards you can put into any colored deck. Path of ancestry, super cool. Let's you scry every time you cast your commander or other things. That... Mm -hmm. Um, if we're talking about colorless in terms of things that only go in a colorless deck, path of ancestry is terrible <laughs> yeah yeah it might be path of ancestry does not do what you want it to do in a colorless deck don't do that but we do yeah, have study hall you can put study hall into the colorless deck and you're fine but yeah that's uh that's all i'll say about that i think i think liam got it right. got it all done yeah i think we do i think we wrapped it up got through the color pie got through some card advantage talk i like it mm -hmm. i like it a mm -hmm. lot uh we actually do have a semi-related listener question this week don't we yeah it's semi-related semi <laughs> uh scooby drew patron of the show family member friend member all that good stuff wanted to know what is the biggest thing each color is missing in pdh uh we sort of we're not going to do a one-on-one -on -one answer like three answers per color we're just we sort of give like a a pod pdh pod consensus answer for each one of them dave you want to you want to tell them what the white answer is the thing I think, and and as far as I can tell, everyone agrees with me. The thing that we think white is missing most is swords to flip in plowshares, you powered <laughs> idiots at Wizards of the Coast. Just give me swords. 100%. Wizards, like, they, they have this whole deal where they're like, uh, white doesn't get good card draw because it has the most efficient removal. Like, you idiot, secure the scene is not efficient removal. Like, yeah, five mana. No, blue blue gets card draw and witness protection and Tommy's completion. Like that's efficient and removal. Raven form Raven and form. all that like, stuff. You, you're, you're blowing my entire minds here, wizards. And like, not in a good right. way. Like, just give me swords. No, <laughs> not in a good way. Swords. Yes. Like the power level of P of commons. Like sword. I mean, I think swords would probably rock the popper world, but like PDH. Yeah, for sure. Needs but swords. Also, more haste. White needs more haste. It does. I am very sad white doesn't have a lot of haste without working for it with crashing drawbridge or something like that. It's got it's got that cloak. And it doesn't have to be huge. You know, we don't need seven seven flyers with haste. Like just, just give me a one two with haste or a three three I mean, or something. Like I wouldn't I just want to have it. I wouldn't say no to a white wrecking beast. I'd be <laughs> No, I wouldn't say no to I'd be, it. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think for blue, we all sort of just decided that blue needs an anthem like an actual factual just anthem like all of you know blue creatures you control get this or all you know merfolk you control it's just anything that you know sure we have uh sunken city re requires an upkeep that's fine we have and, and specifically i think we wanted the the anthem for our mono blue decks like sicarian Inf infiltrator murmuring mystic that sort of thing so I don't think we designed any cards specifically for this um, answer or had any 
downshifts in mind that we would love to have I, at common or did, did you have one day i just want a color shifted trumpet blast yeah I want, like, perfect i, I perfect. don't want oh, no. you know the new trumpet blast you know the, the new like creatures you control get plus two plus so i don't want that I want a blue instant that says attacking creatures get plus two plus zero, so that you can use this as a combat trick on other people's combat steps. That's what blue deserves. Sure. I, I, I completely agree. I got nothing else to add to that. That would be perfect. Does anything like that exist not at common? Do you know of? Mm, I, I mean, it's kind of so. a specific, specific card, but it sounds cool. I like it. No. Oh, Liam. What did we decide black needs? Uh, black needs more removal that hits enchantments. Uh, mm-hmm. And and it's it's funny we say this because uh, the the most egregious offender of of <laughs> in the enchantment world is Oubliette, which is also a black card. Um, well, yeah, right. <laughs> so so Oubliette is the absolute worst when you're playing a quote unquote casual game and your commander just gets wiped off the face of the earth. And, just like black to be its own worst enemy. Yeah, and and in particular, black having more options than feed the swarm uh, would be great. Which I'm not saying feed the swarm is a bad card. Feed the swarm is an amazing card. I'm you know we're, we're just collectively upset. It's the only option. It's the only. And, yeah, it's the one percent. And I would like to extend this outside of PDH, but to EDH as well. Black does not have many great ways to answer permanence and/or enchantments. Uh, it has a couple sitting at rare, uh, but the edicts that allow the opponent to choose what gets sacrificed, exactly. and unless they only control one or two, the thing you want to be gone is never going to be the thing that gets gone. Uh, especially because the one edict says sacrifice a creature or enchantment, so they'll just almost always sacrifice a creature instead. Token, um, yep, something stupid. And while Oubliette isn't a problem in EDH, certain things like Ristic Study are and it'd be great if EDH in general had more mono black ways to deal with that. You know, a lot of people were upset when Feed the Swarm came out because it was quote unquote breaking the color pie and all that crazy stuff. But like, black will like rip people's mind apart and siphon their souls and yeah. do all this crazy stuff. Why can't it destroy enchantments? Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to do it every set. It doesn't need to be like a limited mechanic removal or mm -hmm. whatever every set. But put sprinkle it, it in every now put and then. It it makes totally sense. fine with that. Like once once exactly. every eighteen months, it'd be great to get a new one. Um, yep, perfect. And and we are about six months overdue. So come on, listen. Yep. Where you at? <laughs> come on, come on, Morrow, Gavin. I know you're listening. Yeah, come on. All right, Dave. I think uh, Red needs some stuff that's similar to Black, huh? Uh, yeah. So uh, the big difference between what we want in Red and what we want in Black is that uh, the Red version is in all capital letters. <laughs> that's. <laughs> That's it. That's the difference. Uh, we it? need more removal that hits enchantments. Except this time we're yelling about it. Uh, we're yelling, yes. Oubliette. We're demanding. It's not just a request. Oubliette is still the worst, and like so is Frogify. And like Frogify's, yeah, Lignify, all that stuff. Like, yeah. Red, red needs better ways to protect its commander that aren't just sacrificing it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know how else to uh, how else to better say it than that. It really doesn't. Right. Like, I I shouldn't have to finagle my deck to hopefully draw or somehow search for a whisper silk cloak just to save my commander. Right. Like I'm not because <laughs> it's probably gonna die before I find it. <laughs> I'm not gonna put scour from existence into Sir Care the Bold 
And without sure. it there, I kind of don't want to play Sir the Bold, which is wild. Like, Sir Kara's ability is one of the coolest things I've ever seen printed on a magic card. It really is. It's a very cool commander. And I dislike playing the deck because of how hard she gets blown out by any removal. Like, I just want... Give me, Literally any removal. Like, yeah, yeah, just give me give me snakeskin veil but red. Give me give me avoid fate but red. Like yeah. it doesn't have to avoid be a fate. good card. Avoid fate would be oh well, I mean I guess avoid fate doesn't stop Oubliette. No give, Avoid Fate counters an aura spell. Oubliette's not a, an aura. Uh, that's that's right. It's not an aura. Yeah, because it's Damn, terrible. it is the worst, isn't it? It's the worst. Yeah. Oh, it is if, the worst. Give me an avoid fate but red that stops Oubliettes and O rings. And I will. That's it. That's all I want. That's that it. seems like a big ask. No, it's really not. <laughs> Just throw me a freaking bone here, Gavin. I know. I know. Blue's yeah. your favorite, but like you like red too. Help me out here, man. It's gotta be. It's gotta be something that red can get that protects. I know you listen to the show. Just give me. Just give me this one thing, and then the other eight things that I'm going to die mad about, and then I'll stop asking you for things until the next. Right. Thing I'm mad about. It's as easy as it's that. I mean, so it's so simple. So simple. Anyway. All right. I think we all uh, I think we all decided that green just needs more card draw. Yeah. Period. We're not we're not capitalizing it. We're yeah. not screaming it. It's just going on the list of demands. We were, yeah. That's fair. We were writing these these show notes and we were we were saying, you know, green green has a couple ways to draw cards. And I was like, we were we were trying to figure out what they were. We had to dig deep. <laughs> Find, you did, and you got to work for him. Find, find bequeathal and sentinel wood readers. Like this is, yeah, this is what we're going yeah. with here. Like we got to That's it. Not great. Uh, yep, not great. It is. Just get, just, not great at all. A couple, so. couple more of those. Yeah, doesn't have to be anything crazy. You know, maybe a track down, but better. <laughs> I would be super on board with a track down, but better. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ah, but yeah. I think that wraps up our listener question and therefore wraps up our entire episode. What do you think? I, I'm ready to wrap up. Yeah, I think I am too. So uh, I'm going to mention a few more things before we get out of here for the week. As always, if you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. That'll take you right to their Discord server. Or uh, you can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as Alcadron just about anywhere else PDH is being talked about. I'll put all those links down in the details. And uh, you might have mentioned it during the pre-show, Liam. We got the uh, tournament coming up, don't we? Oh, I did not mention that during. Oh, yeah, during the pre-show. Uh, I don't know, but let me talk about that real quick. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, coming up on March twelfth. Twelfth. That's what it is. Yep. yep. It is, I believe, a Sunday, but uh, March twelfth, uh, from eleven a.m. to eight p.m. There is a uh, Papa Commando tournament uh, in Philadelphia, being hosted by uh, our friend Dallas. Uh, this is the second one they're putting on. It's the Riches to Rags. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a super cheap entry. Lots of prizes being handed out. Plus there's, uh, there's, a, there's a Strixhaven box raffle. I think it's Japanese, but it might be English. I'm not sure. But yeah, you should, uh, you should think about attending that. Yeah, I think fun. the last time we mentioned it on the show, you were not sure if you're going, but I think you're committed now, right? Yes. The uh, the last one was in October, and I already had a, a commitment that weekend, but uh, I will be at this one. Yep. Sounds like a uh, 
great time. I'm super jealous. I expect um, tweets about it all day long and rubbing our noses in it that we can't be there. I think I can manage that. I'll tag like, in every single one. <laughs> yep. I'm like 30% jealous that I don't get to go there and play in the tournament. I'm like 70% jealous that I don't get to go play with Liam. Like right? everyone else who's going to be there like, talking playing about. against Liam, like those those are the people that I'm like <laughs> mad. I want to live vicariously through you. I mean, I know, you one hundred percent. You could go. There's I nothing preventing you. Can't. Why not? I have, I have two and a half jobs and three and a half relationships. <laughs> I do not have time to go to Philly right now. See that is that that's the whole reason you got into math is just to juggle all that. <laughs> It's circular. Here we go. Oh, all right. Well, as episode 38 of the PDH pod comes to a close, as always, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, make your own card advantage, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. See you. I brought proper text to the party. Texted the party.